Mike, I was going to ask you where you put my homily, but uh, I was thinking since your son's here visiting and you don't want to have a heart attack while he's here, I'll just sort of play a little trick on you. Here it is. All right. Well, as always, it's so good to be with all of you. You truly are the joy of my life. You fill my heart with lots of joy. I have two sons, and one of them is a psychologist. He uh, works for the Veterans Administration out in St. Louis, Missouri. And he recently sent me an article and asked me what I thought about it. Uh, and it was an article concerning the very popular movement called mindfulness. Mindfulness. Have you heard about mindfulness yet? Well, it's on the cover of Life magazine and in other places, but it's becoming a popular notion, and, and rightfully so. It's, it's getting a lot of good press today because it's helpful in helping us, assisting us to navigate through the turbulent times that we're living in today. See, there's tremendous healing potential when we live as we were created to live. And that means this, when we think of mindfulness. Mindfulness means not to live in the regrets of the past, not to live in the stressors that may occur in the future, but simply live in the only place you can, and that's the present moment. That's really the only place you can live to begin with. Now there's another lost art. This is a lost art of mindfulness is, but there's another one which we desperately need to rediscover today if we want to reach our fullest potential, and I know you want to do that, everybody wants to do that. You want to be the greatest, the fullest that you can be as a child of God. And this art is called contemplation. Have you ever heard of the word contemplation? It's sort of, it's a Christian word, it's a very, a highly Catholic word as a matter of fact. And while it does have what you might call a mysterious or a, another word some of them like to use as a mystical tongue to it, what is contemplation? Well, contemplation is purely and simply, it's thinking about God. Thinking about God as a way of drawing closer to Him. Contemplating reflecting upon who God is. Let me ask you, do you think about God much? How often do you think about God? Well, I hope you do, because contemplating or thinking about God is the key to having a life that is fulfilling and is full of meaning and purposeness, a joy-filled life, you might call it. Now, when most of us Catholics, when we think about contemplation, we typically, our minds will go to what we call the cloistered religious, the cloistered religious nuns, the cloistered religious men, uh, the monks. Um, it's sort of like at the Abbey of Gethsemane, which is just down the road here in Bardstown. I'd say most of you've been there before. Those guys get up at three o'clock every morning, every morning at three o'clock in order to begin their day thinking about God. How would you like that? How would you like to do that every day? Now they also go to bed about, it's a pretty big challenge, but uh, you know, as you think about it, uh, that's, that's a pretty big challenge. And after their prayer time, then they spend time reflecting upon God in, in silence. 
but it's contemplating God. And this is definitely what you would consider to be a life that is devoted wholly to contemplating God. But you have to remember this. Contemplation comes in many forms. It comes in many different formats because contemplation is for everybody. Contemplation is for all Christians because God eagerly desires that we draw near to him, that we are his children, and he loves us with an everlasting love, and he eagerly desires and longs for us to come to him. See, there's a sort of a misperception sometimes in Catholicism that uh, nearness of God is really reserved just to an elite few. But that's not true. And, th and this was the wonderful message of St. John Paul II. He was so liberating because his message was that access to God, nearness to God, is for everybody. It doesn't matter what your religious vocation is. You know, that's where we get confused with what this means. It doesn't matter if you're a monk or a nun or a priest or a laity or somebody that's part of the laity. It doesn't matter. You're a child of God. That's, that's sort of the leveling ground for all of us. So if you're here this evening and you don't feel like God's calling you to be a hermit, if you do, let me know and we'll talk about that. I'd be interested in talking to you. But if, if not, then why not contemplate God through such means as prayer? Why not think about contemplating God through the study of the Holy Scriptures, reading the lives of the saints, participating in the Eucharist, the Holy Eucharist, and also reflecting upon helping somebody who is in need. Did you know that these two are forms or means of helping us to contemplate, to think about God? Now, field, I didn't mention one because I want to talk about it the rest of the homily. A field that is ripe it truly is right for thinking about God and contemplating God today. It is presented extensively in the readings of today. That's why as I was reading through the first and the psalm and the second reading, the gospel was reading, well, it just stuck out. I mean, it was just like, there it is. There's, uh, here it is. Here's what to talk about as we think about contemplating God. And what is it? Contemplating God through creation. That's what it is. Go back and read the readings and notice the use of creation, using creation in the scripture readings today to contemplate God. First of all, we hear about the cedars of Lebanon. Those were, boy, those were some mighty trees, you might call it. Cedars of Lebanon are mentioned over a hundred times in the scriptures, which is quite substantial, actually. We hear in the words about the palm trees. We hear about the grain wheat, grain, and we also hear about the tiny little mustard seed and how that each of these things, each piece of creation carries with it the impression or the mark of its creator who is God himself. So if you would like to increase uh, in your awareness of God and grow in your relationship with him, which I'm sure that you want to do that, we all want to do that. I want to offer you a few points now on how you can increase your own life of contemplating God through the beauty of creation, the beauty of creation. 
The first thing is to remember that creation is the visible imprint of an invisible God. Uh, we're going to affirm here in the creed just a moment. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, of all things, what? Visible and invisible, right? Okay, he's, he's creator of everything. That's exactly what it is. So when we see creation, we're also seeing a footprint or an imprint of its creator who is God. I loved what St. John of Damascus, listen to a couple of the saints, what they wrote about the contemplating creation and how it leads us to God. St. John says, the whole earth is a living icon of the face of God. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Then the second one is this, St. Basil. He says this. He says, my dear children, I want creation to penetrate you with so much admiration that whatever you, wherever you go, the least plant, the least plant, he says, may bring you clear remembrance of the creator. A single plant, a blade of grass, or one speck of dust, he says, is more than sufficient, more than adequate to occupy all your intelligence in beholding the art with which it has been made. That's the beauty of the creation that God has made. So it's a footprint, you might call it, of who God is. The second thing that we have to do, and this is a real, this is probably the more critical point of the two points that need to be made is we are to admire, we're called to admire the beauty of creation, but more importantly, we're called to gaze upon the infinite beauty of its creator. That's critical. Um, think of it this way. Here's a, here's a good way to think of it. Aren't roses beautiful? They're beautiful, aren't they? I love to look at roses, all different kinds of roses. I love to smell them. I love to touch the texture of the petal. Don't care for the thorns, but I know that's part of it too. But uh, if you think about how beautiful a rose is, think about how more beautiful is the one who thought up the rose. Whose, whose image, who created the rose, who called the rose into being, that being God. See, God is sort of, he's more lovely. He's lovelier, you might call it, than his creation. He is the essence of beauty as itself. And I love what St. John of the Cross wrote. He said, God passes through the thicket of the world, and wherever his glance falls, he turns it, into beauty, into beauty. See, when you see creation, see the creator. That's really important. Uh, and this was one of the great strengths of our patron saint. I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, saint Albert the Great, this was one of his great strengths. See, he was truly, they called him a living encyclopedia. That's how intelligent he was. And uh, he loved the natural sciences and he amassed volumes of information upon all the different creations of God. But here's the thing that really impressed me about St. Albert the Great. While he, he tried his best to understand creation and what it was, he always took it to the next level. See, there's another level. And that is, he always contemplated 
as he thought about how wonderful this creation was, uh, that was just how beautiful the creator must be. Uh, that was just sort of a normal, natural part of the way. Now, regrettably, as we get farther away from God today in our society, as our creator, and we think more in terms of things by chance, things happening by chance, what happens is we become nearsighted. We become nearsighted to one of the greatest ways to see God. I think I was thinking about it. Some of the saints would probably turn over in their grave if they realized how that we treat today creation. And we, and we tend to neglect, we tend to distract or dissect the notion of the creator with the creation. And, uh, but when we remove God from creation, when we take God out of the equation as the prime mover of creation, then all we have left is creation itself. And all that we can do is appreciate it for what it is, and it is beautiful. I mean, I love creation. It is truly beautiful. But then the only other thing we can do is look at how does it feel our needs? How can we use this to satisfy our needs? I remember one day, this was one of those aha changing moments in my life. I remember driving down the road and I looked at a tree and for the first time I saw a tree. I didn't see a stick of lumber. I saw a tree, something that, you know, I looked at it more probably my engineering mindset, I guess, in terms of how it can help assist a need. But when I saw just the beauty of the tree, it truly amazed me. Um, and that's exactly what happens. That's why we cannot disconnect. The saints have said this. They've said that when we take God out of the equation of creation, we probably can appreciate no more than 30% of the capacity of what God has to reveal to us and make known to us. So much, see. Uh, there's an entire another world, though actually there's an entire another universe to be explored when we open ourselves up to explore the infinite beauty of the Creator. The third thing is that creation has all different kinds of things to teach us about God. Now I call this inspiration. These are inspirations. Um, there's so much inspiration. It's everywhere today. Everywhere. It's just waiting to be revealed to us. Listen to just a few examples that have been written by the saints about the inspiration of creation. See if you can agree to them. Honey catches more flies than vinegar. Would you agree with that? A spoonful of honey will catch more than 100 bar barrels of vinegar. Here's a good one. The heart of a soul, you see, these are people that have looked at creation and see God in it. The heart of a soul that is devoted to God is like a ball of beeswax in God's hands. It is ready to receive all the impressions of his eternal good pleasure. Here's a good one. You've heard the phrase, bloom where you've been planted. You've heard that, haven't you? See that if you go to the garden store or whatever. Well, that's from a saint. St. Francis de Sales wrote that, as a matter of fact. But what he said is that God invites us. See, he's looking at this garden. He invites us to bloom in the garden which he has planted us, directing us to radiate the beauty 
and the fragrance of his love. Here's one you'll recognize. This man said, consider the birds. They do not sow, they do not reap, or they do not store away things, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Do you recognize who that guy is? Okay, he, he was able to look at creation. Here's a good one. To love God in sugar. Well, little children can do that. But to love him in wormwood, well, that's a test of our devotion. Now, what does that mean? Well, wormwood is a very bitter herb. It's hard to swallow, but it's got great medicinal purposes to it. But do you see the connection there? Or like the one today, it says that the just one shall grow like the cedars of Lebanon. They shall be majestic. They shall be vigorous and sturdy. And I really like the fact that it says even in their old age, they'll still have green sap falling through them. So that's good for somebody that's up in his upper 60s now. Uh, I like to know that God's not done with me yet. Uh, here's a good one. In finding those who will support us in promoting a devout life, it's necessary to separate the bees from the hornets. That's pretty good advice, isn't it? Here's a good one. Most all flowers rejoice, open out, and grow beautiful at the sight of the sun. But the sunflower not only rejoices at the sight of the sun, but it follows with loving fidelity the attraction of its rays, gazing at the sun and turning towards it from the rising to its setting. A sunflower literally follows the sun, literally. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. Here's one. Were the ocean filled with ink and the sky a parchment blue? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Isn't that beautiful? Imagine looking at the ocean and think of it as a big inkwell. And God's love is so great. Now here's a challenge. Here's a challenge that we have in contemplating God's inspirations for us today, and it's busyness. Busyness is a killer. Busyness will kill your ability to think about God. It will definitely do that. My hope has been through COVID, and it's not something we want to see, but uh, COVID, but my hope has been that through COVID, we've had an opportunity to take a, to take a breath, to, to do a second check, sort of a reality check, and to see if we're really evaluating our priorities and we really want to go on like we were before COVID. Well, I tell you what, I'm seeing a lot, I hope it's not a long-term trend because I'm seeing a lot of people now that are busier today than they were before COVID started. Have we learned, have we learned from history? See, if you're busy, you don't have time. If you're busy, when you drive, when you walk through the yard, you see grass that's got to be mowed. You don't see the blade of grass or the beautiful little flowers that the violets or the daisies that are in the, in the yard and how they speak to you. Well, a couple of thoughts for reflection today. Thank God. Thank God that creation is a footprint which leads us to him. It leads us to him. And the second thing is this. Commit yourself more fully to admiring creation. Appreciate it with all your being, but look beyond 
to the Creator. That's where you'll really find the treasure. God bless all of you.